we are human beings, not human doings. So when we feel pressed to answer the question, what am I going to do? It's, it's sometimes might just be, if I can gently say it, the wrong question. We have to start with who am I? What my identity in God and this larger thing that he's calling me into to be part of what he's doing in the world. My ultimate purpose is to find my identity in God and to enjoy him and to live as one of his creatures. And that's a big umbrella that a lot of stuff can fit under. We've got to remember we're human beings before we're human doings. Hey everyone, welcome to The Walk Podcast. This is a place where we can ask honest questions, talk about hard issues, and walk alongside one another as we explore how spirituality fits into real life. I'm your host, Gil Shelsby, and today we are welcoming back Ben Kacharis. Ben is the lead pastor of Mountain Christian Church here in Maryland. Ben has a passion for equipping people to live life to the fullest and live on mission for Jesus. And he is super intentional in the way that he serves and leads in our church, loves his family, and equips pastors and leaders to follow Jesus. This chat with Ben was one of my favorites. We talked about calling, purpose, vocation, work, and this question of what should I do with my life? It's really one of the most important questions we could ever ask. If you are someone who's trying to discern your purpose, figure out what you're trying to do with your life, this conversation is for you. Ben offers some really wise advice for any of us on that journey, and it is pure gold. I hope it blesses you wherever you are today. Let's jump into our conversation with Ben. We're back, friends. Glad you are here and joining us. I am sitting across the table right now from Ben Kacharis. Ben, welcome back. Hi, Gil. It's good to be back. It's good to have you. Before we start, I want to ask you this question. We're mm-hmm. talking work. We're talking purpose. A lot of people know you as pastor and a leader of our church, lead pastor of Mountain Christian Church. Give us like, what are some other odd jobs you've had? Ooh. Oh, I've had a lot Give us of the odd tour. jobs. Give Gil. us the tour of, of your jobs. Oh my gosh. Well, when I was a kid, I, I was the kid that mowed lawns and shoveled walks. I delivered newspapers seven days a week, Minneapolis Tribune, in the winter in Minnesota, Yikes! In, on my bike. Yeah, so that, that was where it started. And then I had a lot of odd jobs. I worked at a summer camp, and so I was a lifeguard and a canteen manager and a recreation director and a dishwasher and all of that, maintenance guy, septic tank stirrer. When I was in high school, I worked for my brother, who was a carpenter for a while. So I got to work at Jackhammer and paint houses a little bit. And then I worked at a women's clothing store for a while. I was the only male employee. Wow. They needed me to sort hangers and sweep floors. Do you like greet people at the door? No, they didn't want me talking to anybody. You weren't a front door guy. No, they didn't want me. (laughs) You were in the back. (laughs) At the same time, I I was a volleyball referee at night and then I would go clean movie theaters at starting at 11, 11 p.m. And then I would get up and work construction for my brother. And then I would go work for the women's clothing <laughs> store. And then I would do magic shows on the weekend to make money. I put my. myself through college doing magic shows. So, <laughs> so you, I got some weird jobs, man, I'm telling you. You've kind of done it all. I, uh, no, but I've done a few weird things. What was your least favorite? 
Definitely the the movie theater gig was horrible. Except once in a while, you'd scrape up some gum under there and you'd come up with like 75 cents. That's right. Or a $5 bill and feel like you Just really made off. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's horrible. Well, we're here. We're talking about purpose today. And I think it's kind of appropriate, Ben, that we kind of bring you on. I even think about, I don't know if you can edit this out too, if you want. When I was a college kid, a senior in college, and I was trying to figure out my purpose and what to do with my life. And, you know, I was dating a girl and things were getting serious. We we're thinking about getting married and I love school and the academic world. And it was passionate about God's mission and all that stuff I was trying to just all that stuff was swirling around in my brain. And, you know, I grew up at Mountain and Ben, we've known each other for a long time. And there I was, I was a college senior and I picked up the phone and I remember calling you mm-hmm. just stressed out of my mind. Basically, yeah. it was like, Ben, what the heck am I going to do with my life? You feel this um, pressure, don't you? You're like, totally. You're like you had to make a decision and yeah. no, you know, you're like, you're supposed to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You didn't know. And How so, do I know? <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's appropriate to have you here because it feels like a little bit of an extension of our right. conversation from many, many years ago. Well, it's funny and you mention that because I actually have some ideas for your next, oh, f- your next <laughs> Finally. <movie. laughs> That's what this is. This Finally. is a conversation <laughs> about your future. Go. Oh, no. Well, well, a lot of us are trying to figure it out. You're one of those people I think I look at and I say like you, you in some way embody what it means to be pretty secure in your purpose and who you are and the way God has created you to be. I don't know. Maybe you don't feel like that way all the time, but I think more so than a lot of folks I know. I'll just say in my conversations with young people, like the number one topic that comes up over and over again, like I had a conversation yesterday with a young man about this. What am I going to do with my life? Yeah. Why do you think this is such a prevalent topic right now? I am dying to hear your answer to this question. You're the guy who is living it and working with these students. I mean, I might have a couple ideas, but what do you think? Yeah. I mean, how, how much time you got? I got all the time in the world. (laughs) They can edit this out if they don't like it. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I feel this way. I'm 26, so I'm I'm a young adult as well. And we, I get the sense that we grew up, whether this is true or not, like we were told we can do anything with our life, right? We can make our life whatever we want it to be. That's a really beautiful picture, and it's not. I'm not saying it's wrong at all, but the pressure that that brings to your life when all of a sudden, like I said, when I turned 22 and it was like, oh, I make my life what it is. I've got to figure that out right now. Mm. So I think just the the immediacy of it, the urgency of it, this feeling of like, if I choose wrong or Mm. go down a certain path, that's the number one thing that comes up when I talk with folks is like, what if I choose wrong? What if I choose outside of what God has for me. Mm. So all of those things that I think bring a lot of pressure and just, I'd say just at a cultural level, the future itself is, is confusing and challenging. There's a lot of unknown out there about where the world is headed. And I think it adds to it, doesn't it? Like, like all the, all the stuff, I mean, you know, you talk about the post COVID era, but you know, it has changed the work. There's lots of articles been written about the the changing workforce and Mm -hmm. working from home, working remotely or quiet quitting or just kind of thinking about work differently and kind of like, mm-hmm. it's more about my life and the job is on the side. The previous generation is more like my job is my thing and mm-hmm. try to squeeze in family. And not that we're talking only about job, but it's related, you know, totally. it's like that pressure there. So it's unfortunate. And I think there's a paralysis that can happen. Whatever the case, gosh, this is a, this is as old as the hills, right? So you know, the human search for meaning, mm-hmm. it's just ultimately a worldview question. Like, who, wh- you know, who am I? Why am I here? 
does any of this really have meaning? And do I have a place in this massive story somehow? You know, mm -hmm. my life's a story. Is it going to be a good one? And does anybody care? And does it fit in? Those are kind of questions that actually the Christian position kind of, you know, has some answers for. Sure. And I think maybe that's one of the questions that we've been so secularized by the way we think about the world and the future and the universe that now to come at it with a thoroughly Christian view that says, you know, wait a second, you've been made on purpose, mm -hmm. you know, with purpose, for a purpose, is a pretty radical shift to, to sort of adopt that or to buy into that and, and to, to believe that. Because that, that very much is the Christian view that there is a God who, you know, you're not an accident mm -hmm. and every human has value and worth and purpose and place and gifts and something to bring to this big thing God's doing. Where does God fit in is a, is a big part of this question. I yeah. Think. So there's the question, the unknown of the future and where, where does my life fit as a big existential question, right? Where does my life fit into the grand scheme of all of that? And we can certainly get into that, but maybe, maybe just to start, all right, this is a really basic question, but like, what is purpose? Like, what am I here for? Like, yeah. what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do with my life? I've been reading a book that's been putting this scene in my head a lot. And I just went through the passing of my father. So I've been thinking a lot about deathbeds, but they're so valuable because things are so clear on your deathbed. Mm -hmm. So if you went to your deathbed today and you looked back and you kind of evaluated your life as all of us do in that space, would you feel like you did what you were supposed to do? That's, that's purpose. Mm -hmm. Did I accomplish what I was here for? It's funny, you know, I, I read recently about this guy who interviewed a bunch of hospice nurses and he asked them, you know, when people are dying, what do they talk about? And they said, well, they all talked about how, how they wish they had lived their lives differently. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, well, tell me about that. What, what, what things do dying people wish they'd done differently? What regrets did they have? And so many of the things they mentioned were all about what you're talking about. I wish I'd discovered my purpose earlier. I wish I had taken more risks. I wish I had found my courage to be myself. I wish I had, you know, made God and spiritual stuff more of a priority and did less stuff that didn't matter and all all of that stuff. And and so purpose is all of that. It's it's like is this are we all just spinning on a terrestrial ball with no direction? Is this whole thing a joke? You know, the atheist viewpoint, Richard Dawkins would say that it's ultimate purposelessness. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the definition. He calls it blind, pitiless indifference, where we're kind of all going nowhere and everything's explained in a sort of scientific way. Whereas, you know, out of a swirling mass, if you go back to the creation story, mm -hmm. the very beginning of the Bible, first few pages, it describes everything as this swirling, chaotic mass of nothingness, disorder and darkness and confusion, pretty much the way that you're describing a lot of us feel like, what am I supposed to do with my life? It's like totally. that. And then out of Pure that- Pure chaos. Exactly, yeah. right? Pure chaos. Out of that, God enters the picture and whether with a big boom or gently, we don't know, but creates order mm -hmm. and light and beauty and structure and this plan and this this thing now has a reason it's going to create fruit. And then he creates humans and he says, now you've got a place in this thing too. And you're co-creators with me. I want you to be in the garden. I want you to do stuff. You be co-workers with me and you're doing all that. That's ultimately the Christian viewpoint that we're creating this image of God. So purpose is about believing that, that mm -hmm. even though I can't see it right now or figure it out exactly into my satisfaction, I 
took a survey and I don't know. And, you know, I did this. I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I do know that deep down I have there's meaning and value mm -hmm. and that I'm creating the image of God. I'm here to find my place in that story. That kind of changes things, doesn't it? When you sure think does. about purpose, even as I listen to you talk, it's really helpful because it's like, it's not this thing that I've got to go out and search for. And, and there's plenty of things you can do, obviously, that would help you along that way. But not this thing I need to go out and search for and discover and do all the hard work of doing it. But it's more of a question. What you're saying is like, God has this big story that he's writing a purpose for the world. And the question, I guess, right, is how do I fit into that story? Absolutely. And, and I think this is the basic time to remind ourselves. Gosh, yeah, that brings... A lot of a lot of peace, doesn't it? When you think about like you are free to you're free to search for your your calling, your purpose, and all of that stuff, and work it out, and try and fail, and win and lose, and all of that from a place of just resting in like mm -hmm. this is who God has created me to be. Yeah, you're a little bit further down the road of kind of knowing what you're doing and your purpose and all those things, and you're living that out in some really beautiful ways. But maybe if you can think back to whenever it was when you were in the process of working out God's calling. What was that like for you? Walk us through like mm. that season of life. Yeah, oh, I, I do remember it very vividly. So I grew up in Rochester, Minnesota, which is the home of the Mayo Clinic, which if you live anywhere mm -hmm. other than Baltimore, people consider the best medical community sure. in the world. <laughs> so but I moved to Baltimore and I learned, no, that's Johns Hopkins actually. Oh, okay. There was a lot of medical emphasis in our community. It was the a small town of like 60,000 with this massive medical community and multiple hospitals and all of that. People from all over the world come there. So a lot of my friends were doctor's kids. I mean, I had plenty of farmer's kids and other, you know, in the, in the area in Minnesota as well. And, and then I kind of got pushed down this track of math and science and did pretty well at all that. And, and then there was this thing, the Boy Scouts of America had this thing called Explorer. Have you ever heard of Explorer Club? Mm -mm. It's like a branch of Boy Scouts of America, I think, but it doesn't look anything like that. But anyway, it's, it was for like high school and, the, and there was different, you could, there was like a police branch and ours was like healthcare. Like, mm -hmm. so you got to go and learn from all these doctors, like what it was like. So one time it'd be a pulmonologist or another time it'd be a orthopedic. And, and so once a month, we'd get together with about a hundred of these kids and we'd all learn what it'd be like to be different kinds of doctors or healthcare professionals. So I became actually the, like the president of this medical thing, you know, and I'm now I'm a, se I'm a senior in high school. And my cousin, whom I mentioned earlier, is like, well, I'm going to go be a doctor because I can, you know, be a medical missionary. So that's what I, I, I think I thought I was supposed to do. And now when I look back on it now, I can tell you that deep down somewhere, I knew that wasn't it, but I wasn't, I just was like, la, 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 la. And that's where I was, that's what I was going to do. Because I had opportunities to go to these schools and get into all that. So yeah. it's interesting. You know, in the Bible, there's this guy, there's this, there's this guy, Samuel, he's a, he's a young guy and he works for this guy named Eli and, and they're in the temple and, and at night he hears this voice and it's like, you know, Samuel, Samuel. And he, and he gets up and he runs to his, boss, Eli goes, what do you want? And Eli's waking up in the middle of the night. Like, I didn't call you. What are you talking about? Go back to bed. So he does. And it happens again. And he goes back to Eli and Eli's, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And it happens a third time. And Eli, the old guy goes, oh, I know what's going on here. I think God's trying to get your attention. Next time you better just say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And that's exactly what Samuel does. God call. It was God, the voice of God calling this kid. And he finally says, I'm here. What do you want? And that moment happened for me. 
And it was actually the, through the voice of my own grandfather, who was a preacher. And I went to camp and uh, there was a bunch of people and he preached this sermon that just was what I needed at that moment to get clarity. And I was kind of in a tender moment. I went to Christian community, went to this camp, and he basically ended the sermon by saying, I know some of you people here listening to me have not given your life to Jesus Christ and you know who you are. And I want you to come and stand up here with me if you're ready to do that right now. And I'm like looking around like, yeah, I hope somebody does that. And then he said this, <laughs> and I know this, I know some of you have not yet decided what you're doing with your life, but I hope every one of you will give your life fully to Jesus Christ, whatever you're going to do. And I'm like, okay, I'm in. And I was like, Phew. and then he said, and I know there's probably somebody here. <laughs> My dang grandpa did that. <laughs> there's probably somebody here that needs to give your fullest and best energy to the pastoral ministry of the local church because that's what God's calling you to do. It's not a higher and better calling, but some of you, you're running from it and you need to get up here and stand with me right now. And I, I just lost it. That was my Samuel moment. I absolutely lost it. And I knew at that moment, I'm not supposed to be a doctor at all. I think from the time I was young, I kind of wanted to, to you know, everything about my, I was a magician and they were like, oh, you're good. You can talk in front of people. It's like, or I volunteered at VBS and they're like, oh, you, you, you would be really good as a, as a pastor sometime or whatever, you know, and all these other things I hated all this stuff about medical stuff. I was terrible at it. I would have been, I would have been terrible. <laughs> but, Praise you know, God. I, I just never would have, uh, trust me, you don't want me taking care of you. Okay. I'd like to try sometimes like, Hey, let's give me that. Scalpel. No, we're good. We're good. But, um, Thanks. you know, so for me, that's what it was. It was like a moment of clarity where I said, okay, now for me, it ended up being ministry itself. Mm -hmm. And I share this maybe with this podcast in hopes of a couple things that whatever, like my, my grandpa's three questions were so smart. Like, give your life fully, like whatever it is, if you're going to make widgets, do it for Jesus. Mm -hmm. Don't mess around. And then, you know, then he just kind of ramped it up. But then he also gave a call for pastoral ministry. And I hope somebody listening to this call, I hope there's some of your young adults mm -hmm. that are like, you know what, I'm supposed to plant a church. Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to, you know, Gil, I think I could do what Gil does because we need people who see their best energies being given to the church and to God's work. You know, what a privilege that is to be able to do that. So regardless of where you land on it, I think the punchline is the same. For me, that journey was was like kind of just quieting all of the noise. Mm -hmm. And like I got in a vulnerable moment and positioned myself to kind of finally hear God. And it was crystal clear in my case what I needed to do at that point. So I changed schools I was going to go to and, you know, ended up going to a, a little Christian college and all that stuff. Yeah. You think about Samuel's story too, is like God used this young kid to go. And in many ways, you read the story of the Bible, right? The story doesn't move forward if it's not for this for young kid. guy, Samuel, who's like, yeah, yeah we're going we're gonna to basically build a community of people who are going to be devoted to God. And so God worked, worked through him and worked through you in some powerful ways. I think that's a, that's a really cool thing. Okay. So with that, I know this conversation gets a little fuzzy sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. With just, there's a billion different words to describe right, right. where you're headed in life. So, you know, there's purpose and there's calling and then there's vocation and work. I mean, I can go on and on, right? There's a right. billion different things. Parse those things out if you can, maybe in your mind, how you think about what's the difference between, you know, purpose yeah, and it's hard. calling. I, it's and it's all a little that. hard to do. And I don't know, these are, you know, perfect definitions, sure. but at the highest level is probably that whole idea of just life as it's intended that we got to find. And when Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full, John 10, 10, that, that's the largest thing. And, and, and then within that, maybe we could talk about 
maybe calling or vocation, which are the same word, really. Vocare in the Latin is the word for being called. So calling and vocation we can use synonymously, so we can kind of ditch one of those at least. And then occupation is different, right? That's what just occupies your time. The bulk of your time is what typically what that where that really came from. And so for a lot of people, that's what they get paid to do. It may or may not exactly line up with their your calling. So let's kind of parse that out a little mm -hmm. bit. The biggest thing about vocation is that that part of you that feels like this is passionate and I am invited by God into this space. I, I get passionate maybe because I'm meeting a need, or I feel alive when I do it. I feel good. I'm good at it. And others speak to me and affirm that I'm good at that thing. And it, it feels valuable and meaningful. And from a Christian perspective, we'd say, I feel like I'm aligning with the kingdom of God. I'm not just sucking air and taking up space. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm contributing to something mm -hmm. meaningful. That's where we get into calling and vocation, that, that, that special way you feel a burden to, to make an impact in the world. The thing I keep saying, you'd feel the most regret about if you didn't fulfill it mm -hmm. when you look back. Mm -hmm. So whereas occupation is more of what occupies your time, and let's use that as a sort of like, this is, we just maybe substitute the word work. This is my, so we use them, we use them interchangeably in American English. We say like, right. oh, what's your vocation? And we mean, what do you do for a living? Mm -hmm. But strictly speaking, I'm trying to separate them a little bit and just say, let's think of vocation as that calling from, that we have from God that's about your passions. And, and then your occupation is your job and your work. And I'll, some people may want to quibble with that, dividing them. But I think it's helpful because then we can think about, you know, do those two overlap? And, and there's a lot to talk about in the realm of work as well. Maybe we'll get to that in a minute. But just this whole idea of, of vocation and, and calling versus occupation, I think is helpful to, to kind of think about your vocations, what you're here for. You don't always find all of that in your job. I'm having one of these conversations recently with another young person, like we did, you know, I think I did as much listening and probably I didn't pontificate yeah. anything. I just sort of listened and <laughs> you, you unraveled like, here's what I think God's saying and here's what I kind of want to do. And there's a practical side of this. And, and it all is this interesting web that just has to be untangled a little bit, but it, it does come together. But each situation, you kind of have to uh, listen through it, but your work is important, but it's not your identity. Your yeah. vocation is closer to your identity. Mm -hmm. And your occupation is important, but probably not as important as your vocation. Just based off of what you said, is there a sense in which, like, before you even figure out vocation and, and work, like, you got to figure out maybe who you are at, yeah. a, at a deep level? It's yeah. like a little bit of an identity thing, right? You know, and one of the things, and I'm going to venture this, I'll probably get in trouble for this, but I wonder if one of the reasons that, maybe you mentioned the questions around this are more prevalent today, is that we are talking with younger people who have been deprived of some of the social interaction and some of the deeper community for two or three years of their lives at a very foundational time. And community is actually one of the primary ways that we look in the mirror and figure out who we are. Mm -hmm. It's people telling us, well, you sucked at that, or hey, you were awesome at that. And we're like, those affirmations and messages are really, really important because they help us know, you know, you can go take a gift inventory online or, you know, take some test, but it's in the acting out of life where you're trying things. And 
It can be as little as on a vacation, a bunch of guys taking a road trip and like, you just know you're always the one who starts planning and, and scripting out the, the trip and someone else is like completely the fun person. The stuff of life helps you see, oh, that's maybe what I should do because I'm good at that and I come alive when I do it. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of this generation had some pretty pivotal time where they just were robbed of some of that feedback loop that is intended for us. Mm -hmm. You know, we were kind of stuck inside for a while and didn't get to try some of the stuff we normally do at a pivotal time. So I don't know, that's probably a bad theory, it's but kind of, there, it yeah. sounds like there might be something to it. Too. There's something to it. Yeah. The idea that like you really can only work out your identity and your purpose and all that stuff in community with people who know you yeah. well and love you and care about you and are going to be honest with you and all that stuff. So you mentioned community, like isolation is one of those things that you would say maybe stands in the way of someone finding their purpose. What are some other like when you think about the obstacles, like what are the biggest things that you see that maybe keep people from discovering purpose in many mm -hmm. of those ways? Well, there's a lot of things there. I would say before I get maybe maybe one thing that comes back to that community mm -hmm. thing is that we expect it's going to be a solo thing, that we're going to come up with it all by ourselves. And that's a very American individualized way to go at it. Mm -hmm. I love the story, you know, this name, Will Williman used to tell mm -hmm. about this group of pastors that are sitting in a circle and they're talking about how they got into the ministry because they're like, you know, I was going to be a doctor. I was going to be a garbage man, whatever. And I ended up doing this pastor thing and how'd that happen? And they all told about their call story. Right. And it comes around to this one guy and he's just dumbfounded as he's listening to this. These people are talking about, well, I decided this and I did this call and he's just dumbfounded. And, he, and he's like, so perplexed. He says, I'm just, I can't believe this. And they, and they said, what do you mean? He says, well, I'm a pastor because Mrs. So-and-so in my church told me that's what I was supposed to be. Mm. And everybody else told me that's what I was going to be. Uh, and so it seemed to make sense to me. And I just always knew I would. And that's what I did. I never thought about it till today that I had another <laughs> choice. So it's like, it's a, it's a reminder that honestly, that isn't a bad way to do it. We kind of mm. lack, lack like that poor guy. No, that guy had the gift of community functioning probably the way that it was supposed to. Now, what can be obstacles, though, is when that goes awry mm -hmm. and when we start having expectations laid on us that really, like, you know, to use a biblical metaphor, Saul's armor, like it was something that was belonged to someone else and he tried to put it on. It didn't fit. He's mm -hmm. clunky. And he's like, everyone wanted him to go fight with this other big guy stuff. And it's like, it didn't work. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one obstacle is like, it can be just go to old fashioned, like mom wants, you know, my cousin really, really thought he was supposed to be a doctor. And he went to pre-medical school and medical school. Mm. Okay. So that's not a small commitment of time and money. Then he got honest with himself and realized he was trying to be a doctor because his mama wanted him to be a doctor. Mm. And he went and sold copiers for a while and became a pastor for 20 years after that, before he died, my cousin. And I, and I think he's just like, it, it, that was an obstacle is the expectation. I think fear is another obstacle, you know, mm -hmm. honestly, like what if I do it wrong? Mm -hmm. What, what if, what if it isn't fun? You know, <laughs> yeah. cause we, we have this huge premium on fun cause we've been told that uh -huh. if it's not fun, it's not going to be good. Whereas right. turns well, out that pursuing fun is actually not as fun as like yeah. working your guts out at something and coming up and going, that was awesome. Mm -hmm. It was really hard and it's really, really awesome. You know, they, when they asked the, all these old senior citizens, like, what do you wish you'd done differently in life? They all said things like, I wish I'd done more hard work. They didn't say, mm -hmm. I wish I had more vacations. 
They said, I wish <laughs> I, right, yeah. I poured my life into something that really mattered more. It's just fascinating to see their responses. And, and yet I think when you're younger, you don't know that. You don't have all that body of wisdom. So you sometimes think, what if it's not fun? And so you just want to spend more time because I can do things that are fun Gosh, right now yeah. without those commitments, without realizing that sometimes it's the commitment to something bigger than life yeah. that is actually, Jesus, Jesus said it this way, you want to really find life? Give it away. Mm. We're like, no, I don't think he's right because I'm going to hold on to it. I'm just going to have fun yeah. right now. Gosh, I even think about like this comes up so often in my conversations with folks. We make a decision that's like a clear calling from God that we're walking in now. We make a decision based off of it and we're walking toward it. And then all of a sudden, like you named, it's not all of a sudden it's not super it's not fun. fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah we're, like, like, we're not having fun. I didn't understand that following Jesus or doing a call might not be fun every day. Right. Know, let's, sure. Let's but we're taught, we're told, right? Yeah, like yeah. if it's fun, then it's working. Right. You know, that's the thing, like, right? It's going well. And if it's not fun. Only if it's fun. Well, that you just spoke to our marriage crisis. You just spoke to, yeah. you know, lots of issues right there. Yeah. So, th yeah, there's the idea of like a, a high calling, something that's worth pursuing is like, yeah, it might be, might be worth laying down your preferences and, yeah, and all of that stuff. I mean, if we just need to say it, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're a Christian anyway, you're, you're saying you're following this itinerant rabbi who like laid down everything, you know, his, his, his power, everything laid it down and then said, follow me. And you're going to take up a cross and you'll die in the process. And trust me, in the end, you're going to be really, really glad you did. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say it's going to be easy. It's going to be happy. That's scary. You know, mm -hmm. who wants to do that? So that's maybe one of the obstacles, mm -hmm. honestly, is just this, the scandal of this whole thing that I'd be called to give my life away for something. So that, that isn't necessarily what you're looking at when you're trying to figure out whether I should do community college or, or sure. go to the military, but it's there, you know, it is, it's, it's there for every Christ follower to figure out. Yeah. So. Well, let's, that's a good kind of segue maybe into, you know, how work fits into all of this yeah. work and school and all of those things. So many of us are in that place of figuring out what's next. We're graduating or figuring out what to do for work. Maybe we're in a job that we're just like, I don't feel like I'm living in my calling and all this stuff is great to talk about, but I still got to go into my job at 9 a.m. Right. Monday and deal with whoever's sitting across from me and all that stuff. So the relationship between purpose and work, yeah, all of that, what do you, what would you say? Yeah. I mean, sometimes they get to overlap a lot. You know, you talk to someone who, I just talked to someone this last week on the pickleball court. I was like, what do you do? He's like, I'm a teacher. And he immediately went into why, you know, he's like, mm. I teach at this school. It's a lot of under-resourced kids. I'm making a difference in their life. And so he's finding a lot of purpose and value and meaning. I, I you know, talking about nurses or, or, you know, a lot of people go into their line of work precisely because some brokenness that they found healing in their life. My PT saved my life. I want to be a PT, mm -hmm. you know? So there's a lot of times our work is very much a part of our calling and our, and our reason. Other times it feels more like I've got to do this work so that I can pay my bills and I can fulfill my vocation and my calling in some other ways as well. The Bible would kind of say, hey, both of those are perfectly acceptable. But as long as we don't allow ourselves to buy into the lie that our society wants us to believe sometimes, which is like work is this drudgery. We work in order to get enough money to get away from it, to go take a vacation where mm -hmm. we don't do anything, as if that's the fullest expression of human life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the creation story, you got God, who's a creator God. He's working six days and he rests one day. He's God in all of it. And then we're created in his image. And so I think what that tells us is that 
work. My dad, my dad used to pray this prayer, God, thank you for work to do. And I remember as a kid thinking, that's the dumbest prayer in the world. What are you talking about? It's like, thank you for not having work to do would be a good prayer yeah. or getting at the bottom you know, of the list. Someone else did God. my work would be a good prayer. But yeah, it's like, but the older I get, it's like, yeah, you know what? Having something that's like you get to do when you create something. I like to mow my lawn and step back and look at the lines. It's like, I think that's like God planted stuff that we did inside and, and a little echo of what we're made to do. So a reminder to think of work as a gift, not a grudge not something we have to do. And yeah, so I think that's really, really important. We're created to be like little co-creators. So mm. somehow in your job, whatever it is, and great high Christian theology from Luther on would say, look at your work as part of co-creating with God. You're making culture. You're, you're doing what God did when he created somehow. And in some, in some jobs, it's really easy to see that. My brother builds homes. And it's like he's doing, he's bringing beauty out of nothing. Mm -hmm. But other jobs, if you're maybe on a factory line or, you know, you're doing something that feels sort of thankless or unnoticed or repetitive, it, it can be harder to, mm -hmm. to find that purpose and value. But scripture reminds us that there is no division between the sacred and the secular, mm -hmm. like spiritual stuff's over here when you go to church or if you become a pastor and then you just go do this secular. No, no, no. The Bible says, no, it's all under this beautiful umbrella. And you know a verse, I know you do. Colossians 3.17 <laughs> says, what, Gil? Put you You're on the spot. me on the spot. Mem He's got to memorize it. I knew this was coming too. I knew you would, yeah. all right, come you would on. bring it. What Colossians 3.17? Yes. All right. Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all. In the name of Jesus Christ, giving yeah. thanks to God the Father through him. Yeah. There you go. That whole idea of whatever it is, whatever you're doing. So, you know, whatever job you have, I think you could apply there. Mm -hmm. You know, do it for God, you know, and do it all. Do it all. Yeah. And it's almost like Jesus says, I'm, I'm doing this big thing in the world. Join me in it. So you might be a pastor in doing that, but... If you don't have the title pastor, you still have the title minister, you know, missionary. You are like the the woman who says, I'm a, I'm a missionary of Jesus Christ, cleverly disguised as a checkout clerk at Walmart. That's her occupation, but her vocation is calling. So it pours meaning and value into her work. Whatever mm -hmm. it is, it's a mission field. It's a place to to live out your faith and to make friends with people and to be light and salt and and bring beauty and goodness to that place and be a little representation of God on the planet and represent him somehow in that space, yeah. whatever it is. I know a guy who drove bus and he's like, I drive a sanctuary. I have a sanctuary on wheels because I'm, right. I'm praising God up front and I'm trying praying for people all through the day. And it's like pretty amazing bus driver right there, but he gets it, you know? Yeah. Gosh, I even think about like, honestly, shameless plug, shout out to some of our young adults too, who are just like living, living this out in some meaningful ways. Like we've got a lot of folks who are we have a lot of nurses. We have a lot of teachers. We even have like, yeah, people who work in coffee shops who I'll go in and we'll have a meeting with someone, a young person who's just like, they're doing their job well mm -hmm. and they're, they're making coffee and they're good at that. But they're also just like connecting with people in a meaningful way and yeah. like listening to them, hearing their stories. And there is a sense of which like that young person is living on purpose in their job, beautiful. nine to five so every beautiful. day. And there's, so, I think that's a huge shift for a lot of us when we think about Work and purpose that like you can live out your purpose literally anywhere. You know, Gil, you, you mentioned something else when you said they're doing good work. 
because I think this is another lie that I think a lot of us have kind of accidentally bought into. Mm -hmm. Like we live in this time where it's like, what's the least I can do and still get by. Mm -hmm. And, you know, historically, and, you know, the New Testament would talk about Christian people setting an example, like be the best dang employee that guy has, mm -hmm. or that, that female employer has, you know, stand out by being the best bus driver, the best mm -hmm. school teacher, the best barista you could be, uh, precisely because you know you're doing it for God mm -hmm. and you're, you're, you're not working for the man. You're, mm -hmm. you know, so, and that's, that's tough because I think we're, a lot of us are kind of like, oh, you know, what, I got to get a job where I can just, you know, do what I want to do. And we kind of take a more minimalist approach and, uh, you know, Christian people should be the best employees in the world. Yeah. There's something about, yeah, excellence. Yeah. That's not just, you know, I want to move up in the ranks or get a promotion or something like that, but it's you living and being at your best. And I think people, yeah, people see that and they yeah. notice it. You've heard the thing about Johann Sebastian Bach, who wrote these thousands of pieces of music and uh, he signed every one of them with two sets of initials. At the bottom, he would, he would sign JSB, Johann Sebastian Bach. But then he added the three letters SDG, which stands for Soli Deo Gloria, mm -hmm. to the glory of God, or to the glory of God alone, or my Latin's mm -hmm. not so good, but to the glory. So, but he, but he put it on every piece of music, because his music was his work, mm -hmm. but it was his, also his, he's doing it for God. And so it's kind of like, you know, what, what are you doing today? And can you put your initials on it and, and to the glory of God on it as well, mm -hmm. is kind of. So that opens up the field then for literally any, I mean, there are certain jobs I think we, that come into question maybe ethically, like maybe we shouldn't be part of certain systems and processes sure. that are really corrupt, okay? But virtually any other job, no matter how seemingly meaningful, can be done SDG, you know? Mm -hmm. And you put your own initials and God's own glory on it, and it's a powerful thing. It's what Romans is saying when it's saying, give your whole body, you know, to, to God, your, your everyday Life is your worship. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing. I'm going to, I'll play devil's advocate here okay. for a moment because I think that sounds really great to a lot of people. But man, even like, even when I hear that, I hear you can do anything in the world. You can, you can be on mission anywhere. And, but I'm still trying to figure out yeah. my purpose and my work. And the, the having to choose, Ben, is like, the most terrifying thing in the entire world. And there's something about, I think, having a lot of, lot of options that almost like makes that even, even harder, right? There's a guy, like, recently I've listened to a guy named Barry Schwartz, who's like a sociologist. He talks about all this stuff. He talks about the paradox of choice. And it's like, the, we would think that the more options we have as far as work and consuming stuff makes us freer, mm, but like it's paralyzing. almost more paralyzing, so right? It's horrifying. Like, and we see it all. You see it all on social media. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, oh my gosh, yeah. Everyone else is doing something, yeah. We, we're not very good at deselecting things. Mm -hmm. think, think of the past. Go back to an earlier, simpler time in the pioneer era. If your dad was a cobbler, you were a cobbler. Mm -hmm. If your you know, mother knew how to make butter and milk the cows, that's what you did. So it turns out, that, you know, not that life was rosy, but they didn't have the angst we have about some of these mm -hmm. things. And so you're, I think you're exactly right. And I think that guy, whoever was onto something there, we, we, we now are forced to do the very thing we don't know how to do, which is to deselect something. Mm -hmm. Said another way, we don't know how to find our yes because we don't know how to say no. Mm -hmm. You can't say yes to anything if you can't say a whole series of no's. 
So this is why it goes back to the who we are and what the big picture is about, because it's the only way we're going to start knowing a little bit about some of the no's in life. And then community helps us know a little bit more like, hey, you know what? I know you keep saying you should be a teacher, but honestly, I don't think so. You know, <laughs> hopefully you have a friend close enough to tell you some of those things. And those where our no's come from have to be strong and loud. If you don't have a bunch of no's, you'll never have a clear yes. You'll never have you'll never have the ability to get to the ultimate yes because we have all these little trivial meaningless yeses that fill up our time and just just suck us dry. So maybe that's connected to what you're saying. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. The idea that you you will have to say no to something ultimately to go. We and all do. Pursue. Yeah, we all do. But we get picked on and bossed around by the trivialization of everything around us, and we know in our gut it's meaningless some of it, or it's not probably the thing yet. But we've just been so overtaken by just filling our time and schedule robbers and, you know, all this stuff. And it's like my life is slipping away and I haven't got around to the thing I know in my gut is, is supposed to start yeah. because we have we've been, it's, you know, in all fairness to us, we've been tricked. You know, we've been bombarded mm -hmm. with so many options and so many messages and so many things. And, and so the very thing we're pretty bad at saying no turns out to be one of the really important mm -hmm. skills. And so this is where the scripture message is to kind of give us some clarity to what the ultimate yeses are supposed to look mm -hmm. like. So that then when it comes down to my personal part, okay, I want to be part of the kingdom of God. I want to serve Jesus. Now I can start listening. And where does my heart beat faster? Mm -hmm. What does my neighborhood need? Two people can walk by the same neighborhood and they see very different things that need to be done. Mm -hmm. What, what do you see that needs to be done is the first clue toward what you're supposed to do with your life. Yeah, that's so good to get a little more practical. What is like the go-to advice that you would give mm. to maybe a young person? Yeah, whether you're 22 or 45 or whatever, and you're kind of asking this question, like if you were to, if you were to give some advice to that person walking through it, what would you say? Hmm. I'm trying to go back and remember what we talked about on the phone. I can see right where we were the night you and I talked on the uh -huh. phone. You know, one thing I guess I would want to say to someone who's listening right now and is in that space, I would say, hey, it's it chill. It's okay. First of all, just don't, don't buy into the pressure and feel the angst. I know there's probably some deadlines pressing or maybe someone's, you know, if, if you got to make some money or I, I get all of that. But I would say, don't just feel pressure because you think, you know, someone else imposing some external pressure on you. Mm -hmm. Like, well, when I was your age, I blah, 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 blah. I would try not to let that just stew in me and, and stir me to feel a panic. I, I would try not to have some self-loathing come out in the form of, I'm such an idiot, I don't even know what I'm doing yet. Mm -hmm. Those aren't voices from God. Yeah. It might be from your dad or your neighbor or, or your own, you know, corrupted self-image at the moment, but they're not from God. So I, I would say, you know, in that regard, give yourself some space and some grace. Be kind to yourself to, to, to go through the things we've talked about, you know, to kind of hear a little bit more about your identity in Christ. I think the clearer you are with who you are, the, the clearer you will be able to be about what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. The second thing I would say is surround yourself with a really good Christian community, people who are on a similar journey, who are wanting to have their lives count for God and his purposes. Just as you're moving and walking through life with people who kind of get you, but they also kind of care about God, that's going to really, really make a difference mm -hmm. in sort of like the honesty you can have around conversations around the campfire about that. And the third thing I would say is seek some, seek some counsel. You know, one of the things where 
kind of shy to admit is that just hanging around and piling up some years and running around the barn a few more times than someone who's younger, it kind of gives you some insight. It doesn't make you smart. Wisdom doesn't come automatically with years, but there are some wise people around you, if you look, who you can tell, you can kind of discern. They, they might have something to share. Don't be afraid to pursue it, you know, to seek that and ask them what they think, or at least let them listen. And as you talk sometimes to a wise person, some of your best thinking comes out. Mm-hmm. So I think those are three things. The other thing I would say, kind of, I don't want to counter everything I said at the beginning when I was kind of saying, hey, relax. I would say, hold open the possibility that maybe if, if you're feeling like, gosh, I think I'm supposed to be doing something, is maybe because maybe you are. Maybe you're frozen and paralyzed for some unhealthy reasons. You know, it might have to do with your living arrangement or some financial thing that's like, I'm scared if I take a move in any direction, I'm going to, I don't have a net anymore. Or if I tried that, it wouldn't be fun or I might Mm -hmm. fail. Those are some things that no one can take away from you. I mean, we joke about the phrase adulting, but that is part of what it means, you know, is, is to take some of those risks. And it turns out when they surveyed all those old, old senior citizens in their eighties and plus, and they said, what do you wish you'd done differently in your life? So many of them said, I wish I'd taken more risk. I wish I had done things that had more meaning and value and were harder. Yeah. You know, we just talked about that, but I mean, it's like the same yeah. thing here. See what I'm saying? So that's, that's the idea. I that's guess. a little bit of the, the scary part, right? I it guess. is the scary yeah. part. Yeah, exactly. And, and yet, you know, we're saying I'm scared and the old people are going, man, I wish I wasn't scared. Yeah. So maybe we listen to, to some of that wisdom and, and then just let, let the radical call of Jesus kind of not, that might be the last thing I would say is just like, maybe you're stuck. And you're feeling bad about being stuck because you really shouldn't be stuck anymore. It's like this time, it's time to go. It's like there is a, there is a motion and a movement at some sure. point. And so don't just panic and jump because you feel like you're supposed to, or you're feeling negative or listening to the wrong voices. But, but also don't, don't just keep pushing down this inner sense because you were created by God to do stuff. Ephesians two ten says you're created as a masterpiece to do good stuff. God's God been thinking about it for a long time from the beginning of time. And so no wonder you're kind of feeling it too. Yeah. So, and if you're not getting to it yet, maybe there's more, there's stuff waiting, you know? Okay. So yeah, say more about that because each individual Christian has a very high calling to live life to the fullest. Talk about that a little bit more. Just like, yeah, what what does it look like to live life on purpose as a Jesus follower, as you discern all that? I get squeamish about trying to prescribe anything here, but you know, if you want to be more descriptive, like when you look at people that seem like they figured it out a little bit, whether it's in the Bible or all everyday life around us, it looks like there's some things going on. It looks like if you could kind of picture in your mind, like, like a circle, uh, if I drew a big circle on this paper right in front of you here, and we put, what does God want in that circle? And it kind of stands for like the heart of God, like the stuff God cares about, the mandate he's given us in the Bible and the stuff that we know, like he cares for kids, he cares for justice, he cares for, you know, order, he loves beauty and art, you know, all that stands for what does God want? And then you draw another circle right next to it that overlaps a little bit. And, and that circle, we don't write, what does God want? We write, what do you see? Like when you look at the world through the lens that is you, what do you see? You're going to see some needs, and the needs that you see are probably unique to you. You're going to notice things and feel things and think, well, that someone needs to do something about that, or that would be interesting. 
those are things that you see that are somewhat unique to you. They speak to your personality and your, your passion and the needs of the world. So we've got, what does God want? What does the world need? What do you see? And then you draw a third circle. And as you might imagine, it kind of overlaps the other two. And there's actually a little sweet spot in the middle of all three, that Boolean logic where there's a sweet spot. And the third circle is, what do you have? What do you do? What do you, what do you bring? What are your gifts? And so there, this is where we need community. This is where we need experiences in life to kind of start piling up and assessing and figuring out what kind of time am I willing to give this thing that I see? What lines up with what God wants to do? That is a need that I care about, mm -hmm. that I could do something about. Mm -hmm. If you can find something that gets close to that, where your experiences or passions, or some of the gifts, or things that people say, you're really good at that, or when you do that thing, when you organize something, when you plan something, or when you execute something, or when you dream up something, or when you paint something, or when you play with kids, when you do whatever it is, and somebody says, you're really good at that, and your heart was on fire because you're like, yeah, I felt it. That's some of what you bring, your gifts and passion. And if you can find how that will overlap something that God wants and the world needs, you've got something gold. Beekner mm -hmm. says it's where, okay, I'll, I'll mess up the quote. Do you know the quote? Yeah. The world's deep hunger meets your, your deep gladness. Deep gladness. That's it. Yeah. That's it right. is the centerpiece of your calling. And, and, and uh, that's, that's kind of what I think those three circles represent. And it's really worth like getting out a piece of paper and literally writing this stuff down. Mm -hmm. Like what is some of the stuff that God wants? Draw the circles. Yeah. Draw the circles. Do it on a whiteboard with friends and take your time at it and 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 just like list the stuff. Well, I know God really cares about this stuff and you know, but what do we see in the needs that that I think could be addressed? And and they don't have to be high and noble, all of them, but what do you see? And then, you know, there are gifts, inventories, there are, you know learn about yourself, you know, whether it's, you know, a strengths finder is a great tool that you and I have messed with recently mm -hmm. and kind of learned a little, it doesn't make who you are, but it kind of helps name some things and you start noodling on it. It's like strengths finder is a good tool because it kind of says, yeah, it's uniquely me. Maybe I should be kind of interacting that way. Are you extrovert, introvert? Are you a task person or a people person? Or do you like to work alone or, or do you like to be with a group? Do you, are you a leader or more of a, I'm, I'm your secondhand guy? You got to know those, some of those things about yourself. And that, that starts letting you identify some areas to try. The church is a great experimental laboratory. Mm -hmm. I know so many people that have like figured out they were going to be a teacher because they volunteered in Sunday school. They figured out that they wanted to work construction because they did second Saturday serve and they, they followed some guy around and they were like, I love the way he did that. And then now they're doing that. Or sometimes it's your own brokenness. You know, it's your own broken family. Your parents were alcoholics and you have a heart for foster kids, you know, because you see that and you're just like, other people walk by it and they don't, they're not affected by it, but you are. And it matches with, you know, the need, your gift and, and, and God's mandate. So those are maybe some helpful ways to think about where does the overlap happen? Where, where do people then start confirming this mm -hmm. hunch I have? Talk about it with others and start just be gracious and patient with yourself. But when you see something, try it. What's the worst thing that can happen? Well, I shouldn't ask it that way. But. Well, well, in some sense, yeah. I was thinking back to our conversation yeah. we had all those years ago. And a little bit of your advice was like, take a step and create some space to begin to figure that out. I mean, you mentioned the church is kind of like this 
a laboratory. It's like a training Maybe. ground to, yeah. that's kind of what we do, right? Is we take people in and we, we help them discover their purpose and what God has for their life. And it's like this, this lab where you, where you work that stuff out. So, uh, yeah. I would, I would not, I would also just discourage people from thinking that every call is going to be super specific in mm -hmm. lights spelled out. I mean, there are people that know from the time they're in fourth grade, they're supposed to be an architect and they become architects and it works out great. I think the vast majority of us are maybe more like Moses. Who's like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to, I don't want to be in the palace. I don't want to be out in the wilderness, but then God comes and says, I got some for you. And like, not me. I'm no good at anything. Mm -hmm. And so like most people are that way. Mm -hmm. And the calling of God is not going to usually be super specific. I think there's lots, that's, that's his way to say, you have freedom here to, to choose some things. I think sometimes it's really specific and there are people, I know I'm doing what I think I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. I think I could do some other stuff too that God would honor. But I think I feel like, like that runner in that movie, Chariots of Fire. Uh, who is such a devoted Christian. It's an old movie. You've never heard of it, but <laughs> it's a true story about Eric Liddell, who is a godly believer who ran in the Olympics. Uh -huh. And his famous line is, you know, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Mm -hmm. What are you doing when you feel God's pleasure? Like, like, it's like you come a little more alive and you feel like, I think I was maybe born to do that. Or I, I was good at that. There was a moment there that felt almost surreal. Mm -hmm. It's a clue. It's a signpost. Grab a hold of it and Try it. Take a step. Yeah, that's really good. There's something about that. Like, you know, you're walking in your purpose when that's really good stuff. And I'm sure that we could, you know, cover a billion different things there, too. But maybe just to close, Ben, with all of that, what are maybe some other resources you would point folks to as they're kind of discerning? They want to do the work of figuring out who they are and what to do. What are some like little extra things that you would maybe point people to or mm. real practical stuff? I would send them to talk to Gil, first of all. Talk to Gil Shelsby. Just pick up the phone and call Gil. We'll put my number on the in the, <laughs> in the show notes. Just the closer you're walking with God and other people, the more you're going to feel like a human being in God's way, and then it's just going to be easier. The more isolated you are, the harder this is going to be, I think. And the more pressure you put on yourself, the harder it's going to be. So that's first, and we said all that. I think there are some good books on this. We'll put them maybe in the show notes. Yep. He's got, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's a, it's a really helpful book. It helped me a lot. Gary Barkalow, I think, is the author. I think there is a book I've seen by J.D. Greer called What Are You Going to Do With Your Life? And I really respect J.D. Greer, but it's a short little book. And the foreword by David Platt, so a couple of good dudes who, you know, wrestle with this and probably preached some great sermons on it, wrote a book about it. I, mm -hmm. You know, I, I think I could confidently recommend that. A book that I know you and I have probably really enjoyed is called Garden City. Mm -hmm. found myself giving it to my daughter saying, let's read this together because she was at a place in her life where she's, and she still is kind of asking all of these questions we're talking about, like, mm -hmm. what am I supposed to do? Mm -hmm. Got all these experiences, but you know, it's a mingling of that book is kind of how to sort out your vocation and your occupation mm -hmm. and, and how those work together and how to think about work. And just a lot of really helpful, like there's, I think there's one chapter that has like 10 questions in it, like answer these questions, like, and by the time you do, it's like really, really, you know, you've got something to work, to start working with and it makes you feel more hopeful and confident that I'm not paralyzed. I've got some clarity starting mm -hmm. to emerge. So I'd highly recommend that book. I also think, you know, if you're in a small group, you know, why don't you get online and do one of those gifts inventories and have a good discussion around it? Do like, it together. Yeah. yeah. Do it together and then talk about it. And like, what are my top three spiritual gifts or what am I do this strengths finder inventory? It's a mm -hmm. great book. It's been backed up by 
thousands and thousands of data points. So it's super accurate. Like mm -hmm. it'll, it'll like, when you read it, you'll go like, yeah, that is how I feel. That is, yeah, <laughs> That's that me, is yeah. what I like to do. And it, it kind of names some things for you. And it, it, it kind of it therefore helps you toward your no and sure. your greater yes. So I would say, take some of those kind of things, talk about them in community. Yeah. God's not going to waste you. Mm -hmm. He has created us for a purpose, you know, with purpose, on purpose, for a purpose. And he's not going to waste any of us. He's going to be patient with us. He's just delighted to see us live out that verse you quoted about whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And I would say to old people listening to this, mm -hmm. don't coast, don't retire, you know, retire from your job if you can, mm -hmm. so you can serve Jesus more, so you can dive in and make your life count more in that fourth quarter, that second half. And, and if you're a young person listening to this who's not out of high school yet, I mean, don't wait till you're, you know, later to have your crisis, have your crisis right now. Like, gee, what do you want me to do? Mm -hmm. And start doing it right now. Just serve your guts out. Jesus says, you give your life away, you're going to find it. Mm -hmm. So hard work and excellence and calling and serving mm -hmm. with all you are, Jesus promises, will be the most fulfilling, rewarding life you could ever find. Mm -hmm. A full life. The best life. It's a good deal. Abundant, yep. Everybody is needed in this enterprise that God's doing. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got something. And sometimes we think like Moses, oh, I don't have anything. Trust me. He, he, didn't, he didn't make you by accident. He didn't waste you. He's got gifts he put in you and he's counting on you to bring it to the whole. Mm -hmm. The body will suffer without you. So bring the full-on version of yourself somehow to your work, to the world, to the mission. God is counting on it and he will help you and empower you to do it. Well, I can't think of probably a better way to, to close our conversation. Thanks again, Ben. I appreciate you being a part of this so conversation. Fun. I hope it's been helpful. Yeah. Good hanging out with you, Go. Yeah, thanks. What a powerful conversation this was with Ben. I'm so grateful to Ben for sharing his wisdom and even for sharing a bit of his own story with us. We recognize that discerning your calling and your purpose is not something that you can do just by listening to one podcast, but we hope this was a launching point for you as you go on this journey yourself or help a friend or a loved one along on that journey. Thank you again for tuning in. This podcast is a resource of Mountain Christian Church, and our door is always open as you continue exploring your faith and discovering your purpose. So feel free to reach out and connect anytime. The best way for you to do that is through the email there in the show notes where you can find plenty of other great resources to get connected. Thanks again for joining in and we will see you next time.